Hi, I am Brent Feldman, and I am back with another episode of Mix and Matchbox. Uh, today, we have Noah Bashir, who is the president of Gunter Pest and Lawn. Hi, how are you doing, Noah? Good to see Brent, you. Brent, I'm doing great. Yeah. That's great. You. Well, definitely. And uh, and thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. Looking forward to uh, jumping in all the, the questions and stuff. Yeah, me too. Cool. Well, um, you know, right off the bat, uh, I, I know that uh, that, you know, you're now the current president at Gunter Pest and Lawn, but you took a winding path uh, through, you know, sort of marketing to kind of get where you are now. And as this is a family business, uh, what would you say are the things that you had to learn to kind of gear you up for the transition in your current position? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, yeah, it has been an interesting transition. Um, you know, when I was in college, I always thought I wanted to do marketing and more specifically copywriting, whether it was kind of a sports writer for a newspaper, copywriter at an ad agency, you know, something like that. And, you know, as I got out of school, it was kind of a rough time in the job market. And um, I couldn't get a job at an ad agency like I wanted to. I had some good internships, but just agencies at that time were laying people off. They weren't really hiring. So it was a tough go around. But what was actually exploding at that time was social media. So it was the very, very beginning of social media for companies. Um, and so they need, you know, um, there were companies looking for people that could figure out and navigate through the landscape and figure out like, how should our business show up in these places like Facebook and like Twitter and YouTube and places like that. And so that's kind of how I got started um, and worked for a handful of bigger companies, including Four Seasons and Famous Footwear, uh, worked at a uh, local ad agency in St. Louis. And um, all those jobs were great and taught me a lot of skills that I do use today. But what I learned, honestly, was that uh, corporate life was not kind of the career path that I wanted to stay on for the rest of my career. Um, and it, it was kind of an interesting transition in that my dad and my grandpa, who had been running Gunter for, you know, 30 or 40 years, um, both are kind of at the end of their careers. And they kind of approached me and asked what I want to get involved in. It was kind of at the same time that I was getting a little bit burnt out on the corporate path. And, you know, so we talked a lot about it and kind of talked through all the details. And so that's kind of how that transition happened. Uh, and I'm happy about it. You know, I've been at Gunner about two and a half years so far. Yeah, that's really cool. And and I guess, you know, transparently, like, yeah, we we do work with you guys. And, and it's been neat, you know, working with multiple members of your family which is really cool and uh and and it, it's definitely i i actually didn't uh i, I didn't know the side about them kind of like you know just having that conversation with you and being at uh you know a, a job and and kind of you know bringing you into the family business in that way and that is really cool um i how have you personally kind of seen the company change during you know not only like um your time there but also your lifetime um because essentially for as long as you've been around uh you know gunter has kind of been around yeah yeah it, I, you know my earliest memories honestly it's been around my whole life so um you know i have memories back to when i was a little kid and my sister and i on the weekends my dad would go in on saturday mornings pretty much every saturday morning unless there was a conflict or we were out of town or something and there was a Burger King next door. So he would give us $5 to go get some food. And then we would go in the basement of the office and play while he kind of 
answered calls or, you know, created routes. And I would say, you know, the biggest change that's happened over that time frame is with technology. You know, you could say the same about probably most businesses, but the reality is a lot of the work and a lot of the time and effort that was spent when I was a kid, you know, in the 90s, let's say, now is pretty much automated. So I remember, you know, my dad, my grandpa, people in the office would kind of manually map out the routes for the next day and figure out, you know, take all the calls and, you know, write them in by paper and all the files were by paper, uh, all the payments were by paper, you know, all the payment that we got from customers was cash or it was checks. So a lot of those things have just transitioned digitally, which has saved a lot of time, you know, and a lot of energy. And so, you know, that is probably the thing that has changed the most about the company. Uh, you know, the core values of the company are always what they've been, you know, it's very, it's always been important for us to be a great place to work for our team, to treat our customers with a lot of respect, to offer really good value for the service that we provide. But in terms of what's different now, I would, I would just say it is technology, technologically in a much different space than it was 20 or 30 years ago. That's cool. But yeah, the same sort of integrity and values and stuff still remain. That's really neat. Um, and and it, it is. It's a testament to the longevity, too. Um, I, you mentioned mapping out routes. And I remember those giant street guides that they used to have and the multiple mm -hmm. pages. And yeah, I'm sure there was probably plenty of that. Yeah. So on the route sheet, it would list the, you know, the place for the appointment, the address. And then it would literally list manual the directions like, go to 95th street, turn right, then go east on this street. You know, it'd be like, it'd be like a map quest on every single, you know, appointment. And you just have to hope the directions are correct and nothing's changed or no streets have been, because there was no phones to check Oh, Actually, this is blocked. Now, what do I do? So it was almost like being a pirate. You just kind of took the map and tried to figure it out to get there. <laughs> that's awesome yeah I, I was thinking of that i was like oh my god what do you do do you like get to a gas station call up the office and just yeah. like yeah they had pagers yeah so there was no phone so yes they would do like if there was a change to their schedule there would be a little thing on their pager then they would call the office and be like hey you know what's changed yeah, I, I, as we all, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, regret how much, you know, we, we have to rely on technology. There's also some really good things that at least we have it in those kind of situations now. Yes, agreed. Cool. Well, um, what about, you know, sort of personal lessons that you've learned um, in leadership uh, while making this sort of, you know, transition and taking over a position um, held by, you know, generational members of your family? Um, obviously, uh, you know, this was something where, you know, working within a, a marketing company and a giant organization to then being, you know, sort of the, the leader. Um, what, what are some of those things that you've kind of learned in, in your in your position? Yeah, so that's... Uh maybe one of the areas that I felt most prepared coming into the company, you know, in terms of the actual work in the industry, I'm not the expert by any means, but I do feel like was very well prepared from a leadership standpoint based on my past jobs. And so, you know, my last couple, I had the chance to be kind of a leader of a team. So honestly had experience doing that, but also had the chance to have some really good bosses that really taught you kind of what's important as a leader and then, you know, had some maybe that weren't quite as good. And then you kind of can see the difference of what you don't like and things that you kind of want to refrain from with your own team. And so I uh, had the chance to work for four seasons and they are known for excellent customer service. And it starts with the leadership. Honestly, 
is like if there's a, a wrapper on the ground, if there's any issue that pops up, like the leaders are the first people to kind of solve it and then and then just treat the team with so much respect. But um, in terms of the leadership coming into the company, um, I had to earn it because honestly, I was I'm one of the younger people at the company, probably one of the least experienced people in terms of our actual business. Uh, so I had to earn that. And a lot of it comes down to communication. And so that's something that is very important to me to making sure, you know, having a lot of transparency with our team about our goals, about what's important, about what we expect, um, things like that. And then also the organization and the structure um, of getting everyone on the same page about, you know, where they fit in with the company, where we're going and kind of, you know, wh where do, what is their role? Um, so those honestly, and then a lot of the things that you, that you just think of when it comes to good leadership, which is, you know, um, just treating people like you want to be treated, making people feel appreciated. Um, if there's an issue that pops up, give that feedback as quickly and as, uh, um, empathetically as you can. That's great. Um, what do you think? um are some of the most valuable tactics translated from the marketing world uh you know now to your current role mm -hmm. are there things that you feel like um that uh, you know definitely the experience within social media in general but are there things you're like you're like oh man that really paid off <laughs> sure yeah so marketing to me is all about communication uh with your customers right and even with your team internally but in terms of when it comes to outward marketing um, we were in great hands with the Matchbox design team whenever I started um, from an SEO standpoint, from a Google AdWords standpoint. And so, and we had a really good base there, you know, to be honest. But when it came to other tactics that have helped, um, we really revamped our email marketing strategy when it comes to like our email blasts uh, internally and thinking about what is unique about us as a company there are a lot of things but it's very easy to blend in when there's so many different companies out there so really focusing on what makes us different what sets us apart that we should hone in on and eliminate a lot of the other things so you know for our company that is our tradition and it's our experience and it's the fact that we try to do things a little bit in a way that's better for the environment right so those are the main things that we focus on in our emails um, and then also my backgrounds in social media. So that was another thing that uh, look and feel wise and also communication wise that we tried to amp up and also using the platforms um, and their ad networks on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, um, on Nextdoor to really, because honestly, I feel like our industry is a little bit behind the times when it comes to marketing. You see a lot of, of TV and a lot of uh, radio, and those can definitely still be valuable. But honestly, there's not there was not a lot of competition when it came to paid targeted social media campaigns um, and content production um, was kind of my background, too. So photography and video, being able to work with our team to capture that content in house. Uh, in a way that was easy for us to then use in a lot of different places. Um, and then having just overall strategy and budgeting behind our marketing and carving out uh, a specific budget rather than just, um, does our business look good? Do we have extra money to spare at this moment? But really 
carving it out like we would carve out a budget for our vehicles or for our uniforms or anything else um, and structuring it that way too. Yeah, that's cool. Um, very early you touched on, you know, like, you know, being uh, our, our team was kind of in place when you came in, but yeah, we feel super privileged to be, you know, working with your company uh, really. Cause like, yeah, uh, not only is the company great, I mean, as uh, the, the reviews, Google reviews are certainly a testament, but I mean, you know, uh, everybody in the family is too. So yeah, it's, it, it yeah, is, uh, you guys make it really easy to do great work for. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I guess, you know, as far as like the industry as a whole, you mentioned that, you know, it's kind of um, that there's a lot of things that maybe for, you know, a lot of people or other companies are are kind of, you know, stayed um, that. Uh, but um, where do you see the pest control industry, you know, sort of heading in the future? Do you have any sort of like, you know, ideas or visibility um, based on, you know, all, all the things you see day to day? Mm hmm. So yeah, I would say there's been a transition over the last five to 10 years in society towards people being more conscious about the chemicals uh, that they come in contact with, whether it's things that they eat or drink, whether it's the soaps and the shampoos they're using, the, the type of water they're drinking, things like that. And I think uh, customers that are, uh, you know, um, younger generations that, um, let's say if there's going to be first time homeowners in the near future are more conscious about that and are going to be more conscious about the chemicals that are around their children and their pets and things too. And so that's something that we try to stay cutting edge on is using products that are as safe and as green as possible, but still effective against bugs and still, you know, people pay us to keep bugs out of their home. So that's still our goal, you know, but we want to do it as safely as we can. And I see the industry heading that way as well to where it's more preventative and less just treating to treat. So focusing more on the outside of people's homes where they're not coming in contact with the chemicals as often and just the, with the main goal being to keep bugs out of people's homes. Um, same with lawn care, being able to get lawns greener, thicker, healthier, but at the same time with products that are more natural. Uh, you know, we've transitioned, you know, with our termite treatments it used to be you pump chemical around the homes and create a liquid barrier that the termites don't cross and now it's a lot more eco-friendly where there's individual stations with the bait that still attracts the termites it still wipes out the colony but you're not pumping chemical into the ground it's all self-contained and i see that um, as how it continues to go like i said focusing on the outside keeping bugs out of the home or out of the business but uh with more um, inspections and more just figuring out what the problems are without just blanketing as much chemical. Yeah, that, that's cool because you, you, as you mentioned, you got to balance efficacy, you know, with uh, trying to be as green as possible. And uh, and, and certainly I, I know that uh, you guys have been pushing that way for a while. Obviously, I'm sure there, you know, over time, you'll probably get more and more, you know, like people that are like, you know, looking for it. But um, if the ultimate goal is make sure that, you know, the bugs are gone, uh, you got to do what's right for also achieving that goal while being just transparent with the customer. So yeah. I, I'm sure it's a it's it's a balancing act in a way. And there, there are um, some kind of more unique things that are popping up. Like, for instance, one is with rodent control. Now it's uh, it's automated. It's basically tied to Bluetooth. So the stations have this sensor in them and we will get an alert in this online portal if there's a hit on the station like if there's rodent activity inside the station 
And so when you're talking about a huge facility, uh, that whether it's an airport or a big food manufacturing plant, where there's hundreds of stations, rather than having to spend so much time and costing the customer so much money, you know, for our time to go, we can simply check the stations as needed as we get the activity rather than, okay, we have to check every single one, you know, every single hundred stations, you know, once a month. That's brilliant. Uh, oh my gosh, it sounds like such a simple kind of uh, employment of that kind of technology. But yeah, you're right. If you have like a giant facility or something really big, yeah, you could spend hours walking around and just checking each one. But if you know where that's at, also that could lead you closer to where maybe the actual issue is occurring as opposed to, uh, you know, just guessing and checking. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, other tech technological advances too, or just better communication, more automated notifications when we're coming or after we come, you know, things like that, that most home services companies do. And, you know, I feel like, like I said, our industry is a little bit behind the times, but we're catching up quickly because that's very important to homeowners is to know when we're coming, what we're going to do, you know, setting expectations and, and kind of just leading to overall satisfaction. Definitely. Yeah. Communication, uh, relationship development is so, is so important. That's cool. Um, so, uh, I, I guess you, you talked a little bit already about, you know, kind of the advancements in science and technology, uh, you know, um, within the field in general. Um, so, but it, I guess, are there anything, anything else you, you feel like is on the horizon, whether it's actually individual, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, science related things that may be, uh, upcoming as well. Um, but I think you may have covered just about all the new things that have come up too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's possible. I would say the, the manufacturers of the products that we use are always trying to come up with unique ways of delivering the product, whether it's in a, like, whether it's more of an aerosol versus a liquid, but also targeting specific pests or changing the way that we treat, like I said, with the way we treat termites is much different than what we did, you know, 15 years ago with liquid, I could see different ways of treating bed bugs, which to me seems like kind of a obscure way of doing it now where the only kind of effective treatment method is extreme heat, which sounds unique, but there might be a more unique way of delivering that. But yeah, I would say, you know, we're always as a company trying to stay on the cutting edge of, um, what can we do to be as tech savvy as we can and, you know, as helpful to our customers as we can. That's great. Um, uh, you guys do have an entomologist on staff, which is very unique and, uh, you know, and definitely really, um, you know, cool, uh, that, that you have, you know, that person with those kind of skills on your team. Um, how does that change maybe the way that you, um, you, you know, approach, uh, the things that you use, um, you think about the pests in general, uh, you think about the environmental impact, um, you know, how does having that sort of skill set uh, change the nature of what you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so John Myers, who's been on our team for more than 20 years, uh, he's an ACE certified entomologist. And for everyone that doesn't know, essentially, entomology is the study of insect behavior. And so he gets into the nitty gritty science of insect behavior. And he's kind of an expert on each individual insect you know, uh, how they breed, how, how long they live, like what type of products they respond to, what time of year they come out and are active. And so that's very helpful to have someone that's that knowledgeable because he's the one that trains all of our new team members. 
And so he's in charge of our training protocol, uh, you know, a written book that each of our new team members gets. But then he's also uh, the main person that individually trains them all and tries to find scenarios uh, for each individual situation, each individual pest. And so I would say compared to other companies, we have a lot more chemicals uh, at our technicians disposal because that way they have something for every different situation. I mean, there are certain pests that respond differently to different chemicals and uh, certain technicians are more confident in other ones. So we want to give them basically the tools they need to do the best job that they can. And I would say, you know, John's knowledge translates to, like I said, the training when new team members start, we have ongoing meetings that are a little bit more seasonally focused. So like the summer pests are different than, you know, the fall and winter pests where he kind of hone, hones in on what to expect or if it's a certain uh, situation, like if it's a commercial facility, what things to keep in mind on where we can treat, how to read a label. Essentially, he he's just creates a level of knowledge within our team that, you know, comes through to the customer that shows that our team really knows what they're talking about. And we truly are the experts, which is kind of what they're paying us for. You know, anyone could go to Home Depot and get their own residual spray, but not everyone would know how to use it correctly. Or if they had like uh, an issue with ants or a unique infestation would know what to do. And thanks to John's leadership, uh, our team is very well prepared for any situation that could pop up. That's really cool. Yeah. In, in terms of making you guys not only, you know, um, super knowledgeable, but extremely, yeah, effective, uh, no matter what sort of the case is. Um, and I'm sure he has just uh, a billion uh, interesting factoids all the time, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, you know, I definitely admire, um, you know, from kind of like uh, just, you know, personal sort of uh, ethos standpoint about like, you know, the uh, the the changes and updates that, you know, Gunter has made to green the facility and the operations. And I mean, if you have a second to like, you know, maybe go through, you know, just some of the things, obviously you already talked about the chemicals, but the facility in general, um, you know, would be super interesting. And then really, um, I, I think one big key is like, everybody looks at it as an expense, as a line item. And I know that there's eventual payoff, but you know, maybe how could you say for for this investment, how it's maybe even already paid off for you? Mm -hmm, sure. Yeah. So I would say our industry gets kind of a bad rap for not being great for the environment. And I will say we have some companies in the industry that kind of are bad apples that leads to somewhat of the public perception of this. So an example would be like on Nextdoor or Facebook local community pages, you might get comments from homeowners talking about spraying for mosquitoes or overspraying or you know doing harm honestly to things beyond just what we're what we're there to do and so we want to kind of flip that upside down and actually be a green company and actually make a difference with the environment so we've put solar panels on our office in our garage um, we have transitioned to an electric vehicle fleet so right now we have six electric tesla model threes as our service vehicles and we're going to be adding two to three each year until our whole fleet has been transitioned to electric and so those vehicles are charged in our garage that is solar powered so essentially the solar energy is what's charging the vehicles um, and then in and then you know our our 
operating system is paperless. We try to minimize our use of paper as well. And like you said, we try to have as many green treatment options as we can that are still effective. In terms of the investment and what that's looked like in terms of the payoff, um, so our energy bill in our garage where the vehicles are uh, parked, that is now down to zero. So we still have a, a light bill in our office where you know we have more energy usage from you know, lights and <clears throat> heaters and things like that. But um, in the garage, it's down to zero. And so that's like a nice savings <laughs> compared to what we had before. And, you know, our gas bill, our uh, gasoline bill for our vehicles is down as well. So when you have six vehicles that are not using any gas, uh, even despite the cost of the gas increases over the last two years or so, which have been noticeable, um, we've been able to see those savings in gasoline. And so that's, you know, definitely paid off. Our printing costs have gone down as well. And honestly, it's the long-term benefit is the biggest benefit as more homeowners know about this i feel like it's going to pay off as customers get more uh they want to work with companies that are better for the environment and are eco savvy and friendly so uh, it, it's a conversation starter when we show up to a customer's house for the first time if they're a new customer and they don't know about that they're like what are you doing in a tesla <laughs> and it's kind of nice to be able to explain it and explain what we're doing because you know most people react very positively to that yeah that's so cool and, and uh this may be a little kind of granular but i mean like you all the the power you receive from solar uh is able to power all the teslas you know day in day out for i guess the entire you know mileage range that they need for the routes it is yeah yeah so our bill because there's not a lot of other power used in the garage um it's not heated or you know lights to the level of what we have in our office so yeah it's enough power to charge the Teslas and offset that whole energy bill. That's so cool. Um, uh, Cause you know, I think about uh, I, I, um, having a neighbor that has solar and they also have a car in the garage, but you know, then I think of six cars and I'm like, Oh my gosh. It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, a home, you know, uses a lot more energy with the appliances and the lights and the furnace and things like that, you know, but the garage is pretty basic. So, you know, that's the main power drag is those vehicles. Uh, and then some of them for guys that have the Teslas that live farther away, they just take them home and then charge them at home. You know, we have charging setups for them at home, um, so that they don't have to come back and forth to the office each day. Oh, that's great. That's, that's really cool. You mentioned overspraying and stuff and, and it just, you know, reminded me of like, you know, times and I don't even know if they still do this, but fogging inside of neighborhoods. And I know yeah. that, yeah, everybody got, you know, a little freaked out about that, you know, maybe even myself included, but is that even a thing anymore? Uh, like misting, misting sprays for mosquitoes. I mean, oh. yeah, that is a thing because that's kind of the only way because they're flying insects to take care of them. Hmm. Um, but it's very important with how you do that. And I think that's kind of what gives the industry a bad rap is a lot of companies are not doing it, uh, correctly by the label, you know, so you have to avoid flowering plants. You have to avoid pollinators, you know, such as butterflies and bees and things like that. Um, and focus just on the areas where the mosquitoes harbor. Um, so yeah, it is, it is still a thing. And I would say, fogging inside people's homes for spiders used to be much bigger is like up oh, you have spiders we're going to fog your whole house and you know in terms of that being effective and that being i'm not going to say it wasn't safe but i i just don't think it's necessary to get the effect you're looking for to fog someone's whole house 
you know, so we'll do that very rarely if it's a very, very unique situation. But for the most part is, yeah, the, the chemicals that go into the air are much less prevalent and much more targeted than they ever have been. Yeah. Um, now that you mentioned that, I, I you know, like, I, I wonder, and, uh, and, and hopefully this isn't too, you know, off topic, but like, you know, of the spiders, I know sometimes, you know, they are, they're the, the quote unquote good bugs that eat the bad bugs. Like, you know, is there thought in, you know, the overall idea of pest control about kind of preserving them for that case? Or is it, you know, I guess people don't want spiders in their house, especially if they're terrified. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I know so that's, that's a tough conversation because a lot of people that are going to hire us for pest control aren't uh picky about what bugs they just don't want to see any bugs and they think of them all as the same mm -hmm. you know but maybe folks that are a little bit more knowledgeable that understand yeah if you have spiders then you're going to have fewer other pests inside your home i mean honestly a lot of people just don't like spiders they're just scared of them brown recluses are kind of big in missouri and kansas uh they're common there and although they can't do a lot of damage typically like they are poisonous spiders that people are scared of um yeah so there are different ways to treat for spiders than other pests because of the way that they spin webs and they don't travel along the baseboards like other pests, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, some people don't like spiders and we'll take care of them as well. You know, and if they know, then we can kind of treat a little bit differently. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I and I, I appreciate I, and what's funny is like, you know, I have compassion for spiders because I know that they are helpful, but also I was, I, I, I got a Brown recluse bite at one point. So I'm like, I don't really want them in my house. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but not um, spider, just oh, the safe ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. The the harmless ones, they're fine. Um, you know, as your staff has handled type of situations, I know this might be kind of tough, but you know, is there anything that you feel like is like a uh, you know, like um uh, a situation that you have ever seen that has ever been like you know maybe out of control? or that has taken a long time to maybe tackle mm. that, uh, that you're like, you guys had to visit, you know, again and again and again. Uh. Yeah. Well, one situation like that is, uh, you know, for bed bugs. So it's, it's an apartment complex and it's tricky with bed bugs because the way to treat for them is to heat the room to extreme heat. Uh, but sometimes bed bugs could go to, you know, a neighboring, unit and so those you know when you have bed bugs coming in from different sources and different you know units of a big apartment complex they can be tricky and take a long time to control and seemingly you know come back depending on you know environmental factors such as people are going to environments with bed bugs and then bringing them back home with them you know so in terms of ongoingly like there you know that can be a case i mean one situation that pops up <laughs> that uh, is a funny story to remember is two summers ago, it was really hot and uh, termites are most active in the summer. And so one of our termite inspectors that's been with us for more than 20 years was in a crawl space under, you know, basically in a pocket of someone's basement and right outside the crawl space, probably two feet outside the crawl space was this uh, wooden flower bed, square flower bed where there was a yellow jacket, you know, a nest essentially with like hundreds and hundreds of yellow jackets and so our inspector is finishing up in the crawl space and and he comes out and he gets stung he like he didn't notice and then one stung him and then what happens is when one of them stings it lets off a pheromone to where all the other ones 
think they're under attack. And so then they basically started coming after him and he got stung a couple times and then basically trapped himself down in the crawl space and was like, I'm not coming out of here. I need backup. And unfortunately I was kind of the only person in the office <laughs> at the time that could help all of our other technicians. We didn't have anyone in the exact area. So, you know, had to kind of get the product that we needed, like a, a long distance kind of spray that you use for stinging insects and went there to the house and, you know, they had calmed down a little bit. They were still kind of in height. They went back in hiding, like in the flower bed. So I tossed him a can of the, you know, the spray. I had a can of it. And then we just start soaking down the flower bed to basically create a barrier so that he can actually make his way out without getting stung any longer. And it's just like, okay, the coast is clear. Let's go hurry. And he just runs out. And uh, then I could see, you know, closer up because it was dark in there. Like he had a couple red stings on his body. So, you know, that's maybe not one of the most fun days that he's ever had, but uh, definitely kind of unique. Like you never know what you're getting yourself into. And I was like, yeah, sorry, you know, you were stuck with me as your backup. You know, I wish we had an expert for you, but <laughs> he was able to get out uh, with not too much damage. That's good. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking, I, I guess it could have been way worse depending on the amount of them there. Uh, but no, that that sounds like, hey, you served as backup It all. You know, it's like the firefight. You got to have, uh, you know, your backup there. So. And luckily there was the nice crawl space and he thought quickly to just close that thing and just basically hide in there for 30 minutes or so. I, I guess the homeowner wasn't home either. It was uh, a home that was being sold and it was a termite inspection beforehand. So there was the real estate agent there who actually took a couple stings as well. Ouch. But uh, they went to their car <laughs> immediately to hide. So. Oh man. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure there's probably a whole episode we could end up doing on abandoned properties and, and <laughs> bugs, but, uh, maybe yeah. we'll, save, we'll save that, but that's, uh, that's... Sure each, each team member has a lot of unique kind of stories like that, you know, each year, honestly, you never know what you're getting, you're getting into. Yeah. Cause yeah, you go into lots of people's homes and obviously have, they, they all have different kind of conditions and, and issues. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess, you know, the last question I have for you, um, you know, is really, yeah. Do you have any, you know, things for, you know, homeowners is like, you know, um, uh, you know, whether it be tips or, you know, uh, just general ideas to, uh, if they have like, you know, sort of issues like that arise. For sure. So, you know, I would say for any homeowner, it's, it's important to be aware of termites, you know, like. Termites kind of are everywhere and can do damage to your home uh, uh, over a long period of time. But when you're kind of doing yard work around the outside of your home, look for uh, mud runs along the foundation, mud tunnels, and essentially like the size of a pencil is about how wide they are. Um, and just basically you'll just see like kind of strings of mud. And that's how termites basically go from the ground into the wood that they're trying to eat. Um, so look out for those. If you have any questions, you know, most companies will do, a, you know, an inspection for you uh, at no charge. Um, so I would recommend that. And I would say for rodents, look for signs of droppings. That's the most common sign. So little, you know, brown pieces of poop, essentially, that you'll most commonly find in your kitchen cabinets, uh, especially underneath the sink. Um, and you know, rodents can carry diseases and things like that. So I would look out for those. And then I would say 
uh, if you do have any of those, you can buy bait from the store or, you know, Gunter offers uh, rodent control services where we'll kind of inspect the whole property and look for the hotspot areas with the rodent activity and put the bait out. Um, and then in terms of general pests, I would just say that's kind of based on your tolerance. Some people don't mind some bugs in their homes, especially spiders. Um, there are products that you can buy at the store, you know, for preventative wise, like the products Home Depot and places hardware stores sell are fine. And they just don't last quite as long as the products that you're going to have, you know, that a professional company could do. Um, and then I would just say, yeah, if you have any questions, if you have like a unique situation pop up with a lot of ants or something like that, or stinging insects, you know, give a professional company a call. I would say, look, look at the reviews, make sure it's a legitimate company. There's a lot of ones that aren't, but um, generally most issues that homeowners have can be solved in one or two visits by any legitimate company. Cool. I, I know you guys are based in KC, but hopefully at some time there's a St. Louis expansion. Uh, you, because we know you, uh, you're really helpful when I had an issue with ants. Uh, um, and so that was, that was great. That was great to know somebody in that situation, but, uh, maybe one day there's uh there's a St. Louis office in the future. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. We'll see. Yeah. Um, well that, that's it. That's all I got, you know, in terms of questions. And, uh, I had to say, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, go through all that stuff and share, you know, not only your experiences, you know, but industry knowledge and stuff. Um, it, it's, it's been really cool. So yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for being on, uh, mix and matchbox. Yeah, this was fun, Brett. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been another episode of Mix and Matchbox. We will be back soon again with more content. Please like and subscribe.